0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to ballgown of palooza surviving and thriving while wearing enough fabric to successfully house a family of four or six, depending on how soft, <laughs> big the petticoats are. So um, I've gathered a group of people that are here to talk about all things ballgown, and we are representatives of the SheProp community. SheProp is a growing community that is focused upon supporting, empowering, and representing female, non-binary, and transgendered cosplayers, artists, and makers. You can watch these panels on the SheProp YouTube channel, listen to them on the SheProp Talk podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're interested in joining us over at the SheProp community, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, we will have links in the show notes and uh, to help you find us, and we would love to have you, so thank you for joining us. So my name is Abby. I'm also known as Abby Cat Cosplay. I have been cosplaying for approximately five to six years, and my very first ball gown was my Wonder Woman princess um, that you see there. Um, I have always been a dress person, I've always been a twirling person, and I routinely am overdressed for every event I've ever gone to and ball gowns are just the perfect place for me to express that. So I am very excited to talk about ball gowns.
1: (laughs) Hi everyone, my name is Tamara. I'm from Pros and Cons Cosplay. Um, I've been cosplaying for maybe 10-ish years. Um, My first ball gown was my Snow White Sakizo uh, and it's just awesome. I love making ball gowns. Um, I've always loved ruffles and just of nonsense and there's no better way to do that than on a ball gown you just kind of get to look like a giant wedding cake and who doesn't want to do that so
2: Hi, my name is Miss Tayo. Uh, I've been cosplaying for about five years, and the first ball gown I made was actually, I think, freshman year of high school. Uh, I did some theater, and I was a costumer for theater, so I made some Edwardian ball gowns for production. And I love ball gowns because they're just, I love to make an entrance, and nothing makes an entrance like a giant ball gown. (laughs)
3: Hi, everybody. My name is Amanda. I go by Jedi Amanda. I have been cosplaying since 2012, so y'all do the math on that. Um, I love ball gowns because I like to just throw whatever onto fabric and see if it sticks. Um, I tend to do ball gowns that exist in TV and film, especially Star Wars, but I also love to create my own designs of something like I did with my Anastasia that you guys see on the right. So basically, like everybody else says, it's really fun to just grab a lot of attention and make everybody move out of the way when you walk through <laughs> a con.
4: <laughs> Hi, I am Mama Samu. Um, I have been cosplaying for about 14 years, since I was 14 years old. Um, my first bull- ball gown was technically Jane Porter, um, but the first big gown that made me fall in love with ball gowns was uh, my Cinderella, which uh, 200 yards of fabric. Uh, what ca- how can you beat a twirl in that? Everything just felt right with the world and I had to keep going. And Anastasia has been my most recent one. And yeah, I'm addicted. Hey
5: everyone. I'm Casey Renee from Casey Renee Cosplay. And, um, my first ball gown was my Rococo Cobell. I really love Disney and I just growing up, I always thought I was a Disney princess. So like now I get to be one. So, and I like to twirl, you know.
0: Well, thank you everybody from, or for coming today and for, being here and ready to talk about this. Um, Fortunately, when you get a room full of people who love the same thing, it's pretty easy to find things to talk about. So um, I am just so excited to dig in. And we are gonna start with something that could, I think, be a panel topic on its own, which is underwear. Because you cannot talk about ball gowns (laughs) without talking about what you are wearing underneath them. Um, it's very important, very, very important. And I know that Hannah has some opinions about that. So we are going to start with her. Can you tell me a little bit about how you start the foundations of a ball gown?
2: Absolutely. I'm really enthusiastic about undergarments and corsetry and hosiery and uh, all the shapewear that you need to make a ball gown really do exactly what you want it to do. Um, I know that, uh, every single ball gown you make is going to have a slightly different petticoat need or hoop skirt need or corset need. And, uh, and that's something that's part of the research process when you, uh, have, move forward into your ball gown adventure um I have some that I use the same hoop for over and over and over my round six hoop hoop skirt is uh, you know my best friend I use it all the time but um then I then sometimes I need an elliptical hoop skirt which is a more Oval like shape where you're at the f- top of the oval, and so you have a more sweeping train. I know a lot of us here have probably done that truly yep. Victorian pattern. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I'm really, I'm really passionate about making sure a uh, corset fits your body. Um, one thing I always get really worried about with people who are brand new to um, ball gowns is sometimes I. If you're not wearing the right foundation wear, you can get really exhausted. It's really tiring on your body. And having those really proper foundational garments to hold the weight of your skirt, hold the weight of your petticoat, hold the weight of all that stuff. Because, you know, like we said, uh, hundreds of yards in some of these skirts, they are heavy. And I think that it's just really important to uh, investigate your undergarment options and what that means for the fit and the shape that you're creating. So Mm -hmm. that's,
0: yeah. So you mentioned corsets. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, there we all are familiar with fashion corsets. And then we are familiar with how corsets can adjust your shape. Um, But corsets do a lot more than that. and You specifically talked about the weight of these things. So can you talk about why you corset for shape purposes versus why you corset for holding these things up and not getting bruises.
2: Absolutely. Um, one costume that I really love and I wear over and over is uh, this black velvet dress that I made for an Ursula costume. It is a full length velvet gown, but it is not a big poofy ball gown. It's just all about shape. So I train in a waspy corset that is made of a cotton coutil with a uh, silk shantung exterior. And I wear it for about two weeks before I do a big event and I wear it in incremental times. So that's an example of me wearing for shape because that's an extreme curve uh, shape that I'm achieving. Um, But when I talk about weight and we, let's say, I know a lot of us have bell ball gowns and that skirt is heavy. Uh, The reason that we're corseting there is really for weight distribution. So my corsetry there, um, and I, and I should clarify when I'm talking about corsets and corsetry, I, I'm speaking about steel boned corsets that are firm and, and create structure for weight distribution. Um, it's, it's not the same as the Amazon corsets that, you know, we've all, we've all tried and had a great time in. Those are more like a boned bodice for the most part. And I wouldn't i normally don't recommend wearing really really heavy skirts on those kinds of things i've made that mistake and it it hurts you can
4: hurt yourself so some of us have careful. scars from that kind of mistake yeah yes. so be,
2: be careful and listen to your body and i i always recommend test wearing things um so when you're wearing a corset for weight distribution you really you're not necessarily looking to shrink down really really tiny or anything like that you're you're getting a firm foundation so that you can put a hoop and a petticoat and a bum roll and <laughs> and all that stuff on mm-hmm. top of your waist. And so it's evenly distributed. So your hips don't kill at the end of the day. And that, so that's really the big difference between for shape and then for function. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also marry, you know, there are times when you look at those at that beautiful Cinderella ball gown that Sandy Powell designed, where her waist is just so tiny and yeah, and yeah so small. And that is a true cinch situation, but mm-hmm. it's, and it, it's also really necessary to hold all of that skirt. So there's a balance when you're picking your corsetry and what you're gonna do.
0: Now, Casey, I know you also wanted to tackle the underwear category because it's not just corsets and hoops. It's also crinolines and different shaped hoops and actually even below that, pantaloons. If
5: you've, mm-hmm. got your, you've got your bloomers. I highly recommend uh, a chemise or a shift as, as well uh, because with the corsetry aspect of it, um, you need to have something in between your body and the corset and it's, it's for cleanliness, but it's also um, to help keep your body just safer. Like if you're not, if you're very new at corsetry and a bone pops out, that's not going to feel great on your skin all day. So like, it's just kind of just going to be a great, and they're so easy to make. And even if like, um, you don't want to make or like wear chemise, you can also do a tank top and like put your um, sleeves down, just something to create a barrier because, um, it's, it's just going to be more comfortable. Um, I personally love petticoats. I, I love them. I love all shapes and sizes. I've got some that are like waterfall down the butt. I've got some that are like, you know, that go like super wide out. Some that uh, my aerial one is just, just flounces, which is really fun. It's one layer, but it's, It was enough to create the barrier and like the purpose of a petticoat is more so to create a barrier between your hoop and your actual garments because um, depending on the type of fabric you use if you're wearing a hoop and you have a really thin polyester or even a thin silk on top of it you'll start to see wire and that just isn't as attractive so you want to you put a petticoat in between those to create a barrier and um, also when you twirl in petticoats it's Oh it's so good. It's so, so pretty.
3: Good. It's just like yeah. a wave. It's like applause. People are yeah. applauding you and you're twirling.
4: <laughs> yeah like a, a cinderella gown I mentioned before. It's 200 yards of fabric. Uh and 190 of that is petticoat. Petticoat.
0: Like yeah <laughs> let's be cool. honest. Um now let's just tackle the wrong undergarments real quick. We mentioned plastic boning and and looking at non-steel boned corsets and how that's not what we're talking about here. Let's just pretend no undergarments. You're not wearing a petticoat. You're not wearing a hoop. What drawbacks does that give for your ball gown, for what you're going to wear or walking around in it? You're going to step on your gown.
3: Yeah. <laughs> step on it, hemlines, constant pain, bruising,
4: can't yeah. sit down, can't get back up. The shape is not going to be what you probably want in terms of it's not, it's not going to match, you know, the image that most people think of for ball gown without the right undergarments.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's so walk, heavy it's and gonna it go hurts. right between your
5: knees oh yeah
1: I think too like I tried on my snow white gown and that's I don't know 30 yards of whatever silk fabric I had at the time and like it is painful to wear that on my back just without the proper undergarments on it because I mean that helps with the weight distribution as folks were saying earlier um it doesn't give you that shape that you want the twirl is so much less satisfying without <laughs> so
3: true and <laughs> so true
2: and I think that the the great thing about the internet and the world right now is that hoops are incredibly accessible that is like a, an exciting newer kind of thing it's like oh you can buy one and they really make and a petticoat on top makes a big difference. I see that a lot. The you know, you're new and you've got this gown and it's on top of your hoop skirt and you think you're done, but there's a part there's always like, you know, we could go on for days, but we could talk about bras forever too. You know, like there's certain shapes of cups and certain strap widths that are gonna work for one gown that won't work for another. And maybe you really hate strapless and you don't want to wear strapless bra all day. Well what about a corset that's an overbust corset or a uh, a long line bra that's strapless but it has a longer Mm -hmm. line and will go all the way to your waist and that puts more pressure Mm -hmm. on your waist so there's a lot of different considerations when you're picking your underwear and I always like to start from the inside out because then you create that silhouette from the inside out and once you're in your your silhouette looks amazing and you try on your underwear and you're like wow I'm wearing 20 layers but I look amazing uh, <laughs> then you move on to making the gown, and it's and so I know sometimes that's that's not as motivating, but I I find it very motivating because I'm like, oh look, here's all my corsetry, you know, and mm-hmm. and my bloomers and my chemise, and these are the things I'm going to need to make the shape. If, and it is fun, that fun that to make garments, those look
0: pretty too.
4: <laughs>
5: yeah, you'll find your garments will fit you better too when if you do all of your fittings over your undergarments. So that's why making them first is just so great.
0: So that actually was a great transition into the next part of this that I want to go over, which is designing your gown. Um, So I know all of you had something to contribute to the design. Not surprised everybody wants to talk about that. That is the most fun part of, I think, making a costume. Um, But let's go into historical first. So right now we're seeing a lot of people taking historical approaches to characters that we know um, whether it's just designing in a a historical style or using historical techniques Um, so um, pros and cons let's talk to you first Um, how do you approach historical ball gowns oh and also for this conversation we are assuming ball gowns means all got gowns in general we're going to be pretty liberal about what that word means
1: I think um you know doing historical costuming can add a fun layer to costuming it kind of gets you engaged in a different way i'm always like excited to learn a new thing um, and if you can learn you know oh like here's a a cool trick that they've, they've done historically to make this or oh here's how you get this specific silhouette um when i was doing my sakizo snow white um i researched you know the history of snow white and, and though that design's a little bit different i was like oh maybe i can at least like make my corset similar to the time period that snow white um existed in just to make it more fun for myself when i was costuming and to give me like a direction when i was trying to figure out what corsets i wanted um, so that can be a lot of fun but a lot of times, too, things just aren't realistic. I tend to do more recreation like cosplays. And so um, sometimes, you know, this corset from this era will work better than the ball gown style from this era. And so I can, can mix and match a little bit. Um, but whenever I can, I like to, to delve into, um, you know, whatever the history of that character or what that costume might look like. Um, I So I enjoy that. I do think, though, that sometimes there's this cloud of elitism that comes with historical costuming that frustrates me. Um, And so one, I don't think you have to do that in any way. It's just something fun that you can do. Um, I also think that sometimes, you know, when we're doing anything with a historical lens, we have to recognize the context of that history. And sometimes history wasn't great. History was generally not great for brown people. So I'm always very aware of that when I'm costuming. And so, um, you know, I, I don't do a lot of Civil War era stuff because it just isn't great in my, my brain or when I when I do have to do things that are in Eras of history that weren't great. I'm doing that with that lens of like, let's think about, you know, how I talk about this or mm-hmm. what fabrics I'm choosing or how I'm talking about that particular era, um, just to be sensitive to those groups.
0: And Casey, you do a lot of historically inspired costumes Mm -hmm. as well. So how, how do you use historical eras to inspire your original designs?
5: Um, I like to use the silhouette a lot of the
0: time. So again,
5: like, um, if, if it's something that I'm working on a new Saki's out and, uh, it's, it's the Cinderella from the princess book and she has a very rococo shape. And so I'm using kind of historical inspiration and I'm pulling from like the 1760s and 1750s and even actually like a little bit of inspiration from the 1930s does rococo because of how like dramatic they made her underskirts um but i i really like to use it as inspiration and kind of patterns and guides to get to execute the final product so like even though like with my my ariel I did, you know, make um, this the supports, the arm supports from the 1830s. I wouldn't call that an 1830s gown or even an 1850s gown, even though I use historical undergarments. It's a very much so a ball gown, but it just takes reference from these things that already exist. Because I also think that like if there's a silhouette you see and you're like, wow, that was successful for so long in this era and you want to implement that on your costume, it's probably also going to be successful because we already have the knowledge that like this kind of color works with this kind of gown and things like that. Um, So I kind of just pull from anything and everything to get that final shape that I want. Uh, And that's what's great about history is like, it's really dramatic, like in silhouettes, you've got some great drama and I, that's ultimately what I like to create in my gowns is, is drama. Like I want, I want it to move. I want it to yeah. think for
4: itself. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I love
3: you know? looking at like the different decades, especially in like the 19th century and the 18th century. It's like one decade sleeves are to your hair. The next decade, there's no sleeves. And yeah. the other one it's like, you're square, but then you're round. And it's just, it's so fun. Yeah, it jumps and it's yeah. a great imagine. It just gets
5: your wheels going. I think for me at least, like I just like can't like I just keep going, and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. idea, idea. Oh, I like this, you know. And so it's a great reference point. And also, I like like you said um, the research aspect. I like learning about like why they made or wore this, you know, a bum roll. Like I like that part. It's fun. It adds, you know, it teaches you a
0: little bit. So, mm-hmm. does anybody else have? something about historical cosplay that they want to add before we move on to some of the other design elements?
4: Um, I guess this is kind of historical cosplay, but I like taking bits from history. Like, say if you have, like, this crazy fantasy of, like, uh, the Red Queen, uh, No Flutters, uh, Queen of Hearts, has been my life for two years, and that silhouette it's not a historical silhouette but it takes pieces from different eras so it's really fun to take something that's like this is a fan this is a shape what the heck how would i even make this but you look at history and take oh odated that kind of thing well i can modify that to make this thing that doesn't exist so it's really great like taking real life history to apply to something that you know, it doesn't all it doesn't exist to make your own yeah, yes. shape?
3: It's super fun. And we have the we have the internet to help us research that. It's not like we're going through encyclopedias and libraries. Like you can you can experiment and you can learn quickly.
4: Google is your a, friend. You don't have a library yeah.
5: like down the hall that you just. Oh, <laughs> oh I do.
3: <laughs>
5: oh yes, you
0: know that's the corner library yeah. I have in the attic. You know? I actually yeah. genuinely do have library books about fashion history because sometimes libraries will decommission their right. books and be like nobody's mm-hmm. checked this out in 20 years and they'll be like oh yeah i'll keep that
3: yeah i'll keep yeah. that smells weird but it's still i'll
0: take it college
4: and i, <laughs> I do I have books now sewing <laughs> books now
3: yeah yeah, yeah college <laughs> textbooks <laughs> oh yeah i'm gonna so, keep that fourth edition of course yeah yeah i yeah
2: i just got a really weird book recently that's eight, uh, 18 it's like a 16th century to 18th century and it's just it's just, um, illustration. Oh of the, just like, like a look books, essentially? Yep. It's oh a my gosh. book of, oh. of, like, 400 years. It's You're awesome. going to share
0: the name and author yeah. of that book mm-hmm. in comments when we're done. Yeah, um, absolutely.
3: Please. So
0: we we also see a lot of people do ball gowns that are um, inspired by non-ball gown-wearing characters or original designs of characters that have very well-known outfits and we're gonna be like, I'm doing a different take on that. So um, Amanda, I know you've done this quite a Mm -hmm. bit. So when it comes to putting an original spin on an established character, how do you approach that when designing your ball gown?
3: Sure, sure. Well, I did that for reference uh, with my Anastasia gown that I made two years ago. And um, it came to the fact that I really wanted to cosplay a princess. But I really hated that gown. But I didn't hate it to the point where I'm like, not going to do it. I hated it because I wanted to fix it. And so I took the color as that's mainly what I wanted first. I wanted the color, but tweak the color a little bit. So that's why I tell people first, if they want to change a little bit of aspects, pull the colors first, figure out the colors you want, then start talking about silhouette. Or you can do it the exact opposite. But the first for me was like, okay, well, I'm going to make it yellow and pink, but I'm going to change the yellow to gold, and I'm going to drop the pink down a couple tones to make it more magenta or more, like, more richer. In fact, so I have that final, final gown that Anastasia wears, but I tweaked it to make it a little more my taste, and I think that's really fun, and I think that's a great way for someone to dip their toe into design in general, and, like, a lot of people want to, I feel like a lot of people want to get out there and design, but they just don't know how. And so I'm like, we'll change the color. Change the color of that gown. Or maybe instead of making the that, uh, you know, that hoop skirt, a circle hoop skirt, make elliptical. You know, those, those little things first. And that's what I typically tell people to start doing if they want to look into more design. Especially from something, a gown that, ugh, I thought was terrible.
0: <laughs> well, and also your, your gown, your Anastasia gown, is extremely recognizable. Like, nobody looks at that and thinks, who is that? Unless Who's they've that? never right. seen the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So and, and these tweaks that you're making, they did not take away from the character that you're trying to portray at all. Right,
3: and I think that's a challenge, um, also is to stay in the parameters if you want to do that. I mean, if you wanted to take Anastasia and go to the space with Anastasia, go to space with Anastasia, but I wanted to stay in a recognizable thing, so like I said, I tweaked the color, I tweaked the shape like, a little bit, and then like some of the embroidery, I, instead of doing circles, I did like a flower tulip, you know, there's, there's parameters to stay in with design to make your character look like that ultimate character. And um, I, I think it's a challenge. I think it's really
0: fun. Speaking of space, Tayo, Miss Tile, <laughs> you have taken a very non-ballgown wearing character and made a ballgown.
2: My right. trash can boy? My well, trash,
0: trash can, can.
2: Yes, your little, your adorable <laughs> trash can best friend. R2D2 is my favorite character, like of all time, of like anything. Like I don't, I, I can't explain it. Um, but I made a R2D2 ball gown because I wanted to. So, everyone, you know, when Star Wars was purchased by Disney, it became this whole thing. Like Princess leia's a Disney princess now, and I was like, oh. You mean R two is a Disney R2. princess now? <laughs> so I took some inspiration from two princesses that I really loved. I took a little bit of classic Cinderella and a little bit of classic Belle, and I tried to get something R two out of it. You know, I really wanted that dome sh- ball gown shape uh, to for his little his little dome, and uh, you know I. I kept it pretty simple with the design, right? You keep those major design elements. You really hit that color mark, and then uh, just have fun, right? And uh, even when I was making my uh, my crown, I was like, "Well, what do I do for a crown for artsy? <laughs> you know?" And I I, yeah. I experimented. I made like a little round one that ended up looking kind of like uh, I don't know. It looked weird. It wasn't right. And so I I ended up with like a circular diad kind of situation that suited the character a little bit more because it was again accentuating all the round aspects of R2 and that tubular shape um and so I had a lot of fun with him I, I put some lights in the skirt too just to kind of give it a little bit of a, a little bit of twinkle a little bit of sparkle yeah. and it definitely then,
3: reads R2-D2 yeah, yeah it, it is R2 it, yeah. like there's no
2: question about it when you see it and then I actually have a, a, a later on I made my my partner uh Prince c 3PO so Sir 3PO and Lovely. it's uh, a gold okay. tail coat and uh, you know it's got the the circle on the stomach you know and so i think that that's part of any time that you're doing a design i like you know i like i like what you said Amanda the the, the color story i think is is mm-hmm. a major element for a lot of these characters we love right yeah. that color that that's
3: color what you story. see first you see the yeah. color first and yeah. you're like i got to nail that i don't yeah. nail that no one's going to know it's our 2 exactly you're your like, but, yeah. I know I was gonna make it a silver ball gown and
2: then I was like but really he's white really? Like he's, he's, white. he's exactly. white." and so I have to make a white and uh, but I think that those are but then I got I got my silver you know I got my little silver peplums with my lights in them and and you get those elements from from those little design pieces that you mm-hmm. bring together and it's really fun I I love design you know it's a passion for me I have a, I got a degree in it and it's something I care about. And I love the yeah, that perspective of are you coming from the shape? Are you coming from the color? Are you coming from the character? And it's it's really fun. And I think the biggest part of it is just play and and you'll you'll come up with something that you love eventually and you won't be able to stop thinking about it. And then you gotta make it.
0: Um, So another thing that we're starting to see with design, um, an increase in popularity of it, is there are some very well-known artists um, that are putting out content that people are then taking and building their cosplays from that artist inspiration. And Sam, I know you've done this quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So tell us a little bit about the artists that you use for inspiration and and why that's a direction that you've chosen to go in some of your designs.
4: Um, uh, I, there's been a few artists that I've made from, uh, we've mentioned a few, uh, uh, Hannah Alexander, I've dressed up from. Um, this design behind me right now is from No Flutter. Um, uh, Saki So has been mentioned quite a bit. I've yet, to, I'm tackling one of theirs next. Um, I, I love seeing what artists can do that animators just don't have the time to. Because so many of my favorite uh, things are like I I'm, I'm, Dis- I'm a Disney fan. I grew up in the anime community. like there's 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 so much much beauty in the outfits, but you can't animate all those little details. So w- I love seeing what the artists do. like uh, uh, Jed Amanda just mentioning um, uh, the uh, Anastasia's gown. I agree. there was problems mm-hmm. with it. and <laughs> I so loved, I love that movie, <laughs> but I could not. But yeah, then she looks Hannah- like a Sherbet ice cream cone and so pretty. <laughs> yeah, like, 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 th- thank you. You thank understand. You <laughs> understand. <laughs> but like I want but then I saw Hannah Alexander's version and I saw gradients and I saw sparkle and I saw detailing and that's the kind of thing that makes me happy. It's I can have a big gown. That's cool, big silhouette. But I want you to get close and go, Oh, what's that? Oh, what's that pretty thing? That the little details, all of the fine stuff that brings richness to a costume and makes it look like something that popped out of history. Um, my uh, bell that I made, it was fairly, it was it was an original design. It was very much close to the um, the, to the original but I added embroidery a big old embroidery rose to the chest and added rhinestones and little cameos just little things like that that I see in artist designs um Saki So does that a lot with cameos, cameos and I love seeing just the amount of detail that can be put into even like uh, compare like there's, there's, you can put stuff into a ball gown yet but the amount of detail that puts into this tiny space in this front of a corset like six layers of ruffle and sparkle and that makes my brain. Happy, <laughs> so happy is good. Exactly. So artists that so artists renditions it gives you a chance to be that recognizable character, be the character that everybody loves, and maybe not have to come up with a completely new design on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like how a lot of artists. If there's a part where you're just like, wait, how is that supposed to work? Uh, forget it. You can kind of tweak it yourself. There's a few ruffles on here that I went, where are you coming from? Where are you going? I don't know. You're gone. <laughs> so because <laughs> you got to make make stuff into reality. So yeah, there, that's, 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 that's a a, hard the hard part. The challenge of the artist's rendition is that, yeah know, there's, you don't have to worry about how you're going to
0: move in this. <laughs> so cosplay has grown in popularity and visibility and the market is being fed by pattern makers and by people putting out um, materials and tools and things like that. Um, and that includes the big three pattern makers for sewing, and they are specifically designing cosplays for these big ball gowns that we're seeing in movies coming out. Has anybody used those commercial patterns? How, what sort of luck, what sort of tips, what sort of feedback do you want to give on that resource?
3: make a mock-up always make a (laughs) (laughs) mock-up yep because the majority of the time that size that's on the envelope is not gonna fit you straight out when you even if you're like the best sewer ever it's not no you're gonna have to tailor it and no one wants to chop into nice fabric when it's wrong so Mm -hmm. mock-ups first
4: a side note for anybody who hasn't used a commercial pattern: they tend to add two to three inches of ease, four. even in four corsets. Four. Even in corsets, they'll do this. So, so look for on most patterns you can see the finished garment measurements. Yeah. Use those. Mm-hmm. use those if you want a nice, nice tailored fit. I it took me way too long to figure that out.
0: One thing that I've noticed also is a lot of those ball gowns they do as one piece, a dress, mm-hmm. and not a top and a skirt. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, splitting those into two things take the skirt, just put a waistband on it, take the top, <laughs> finish it on yeah. your own.
4: Yeah. Another thing is I'll, I'll see them do a ball gown and be like, oh yeah, zipper back. Ah!
3: <laughs> no. <laughs> you could if you want. You
4: could, <laughs> it better, you better have a heavily boned corset underneath. Yeah, right, like, right. It just looks better. Just, it's nice, yeah. it's pre- it makes the back pretty. Yeah.
0: Well, and it also, does. like, if, if you are going for historical accuracy, don't include a zipper. Mm-mm. And Or do and see what that happens. TV shows <laughs> yeah. where I've been like, that's an invisible, invisible zipper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> costume oh, designer for the tutors. <laughs> yeah, but
4: also, plus to the corset back is, hey, you know when you change size like most of us tend to do over our cosplay careers, you can still yeah. wear that costume. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And if it's in two pieces, you just put on a tighter or smaller waistband, I look know. at that. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
4: It's fine. Yeah. Adjustability. Yeah. When you're putting this many hours into a costume, make it adjustable, please. Like, we all change. It happens. Through the course of a month for some of us, like, <laughs> like depending on what time of the month. Huh. Okay. I'm doing, like the corset
1: patterns commercially like i feel like there's never enough bones in there i remember putting it like i think oh, i my God, did one first and i was like huh this is everything sagging and then i did another one i was like oh this like really holds my meat in real well like this is great <laughs> so um i think they're great for like starting out of like okay now i understand like what a bone does to a corset mm-hmm. and making that initial shape and mm-hmm. i think it makes it a lot less intimidating when you're just starting out Of like okay like a commercial pattern exists that means someone else who's like maybe an average mm-hmm. seamstress has done this before great and then moving on to better patterns um and then i moved on to a better pattern i was like oh like oh, okay, now that makes sense like there's way more bones like yeah. this is the appropriate material to use like i'm I like, love it's like, a learning
3: process is, uh, yeah
4: independent pattern makers i'm oh, really thinking yeah. them just
3: and yeah. when
4: the big three talk to the independent pattern makers i'm wearing like this is an american duchess this is their um, 19th century course of pattern yeah that. like this this is the american duchess one that i think Mac- you go through some McCall. like, McCall's McCall's so McCall's uh, has their patterns it's like they were making courses beforehand but the the big mm-hmm. three have started reaching out to costumers to get the actual good stuff instead of their approximation mm-hmm. of the uh thing so and this is this is one of the best commercial patterns I've ever used it's honest. really good I
5: like it I just did red threaded and it tops mm-hmm. any, anything I've ever any
3: course oh yeah
4: I also, I also have the panniers <laughs> Oh, pretty. I made these oh, in like two hours,
3: by the it. way.
0: <laughs> two hours. Nice. Can't be done. So let's move on to the next topic, which is kind of getting into actually making these things because you all have talked about yards of fabric and all the details and embroidery and beads and boning and, I mean, the amount of materials that go into these is extensive. I mean hundreds of yards of fabric in some of these and that can be really cost prohibitive for a lot of cosplayers because this is an expensive hobby let's not pretend so when it comes to making these things where do you spend your money where do you think don't skimp here use an old bed sheet there Hmm. and amanda do you want to start with that
3: yeah i'll start with that um i mean honestly money is one of the biggest things you should really pay attention to um in my opinion i would rather spend the money on the fabric that you're gonna see versus the fabric that's gonna be underneath and so you know i mean there's ways to keep costs down but it ultimately it's up it's all your decision i'm not gonna be like you can only use polyester for your undergarments and then someone's gonna come and be like no you only use national cotton but no no do what you want and do what your money allows and it's okay you know um but one of my biggest cost effective things to do is to um use more polyester it's okay guys and you know i mean yes silk is beautiful and wonderful and lovely and i like to use it as much as i can but it's okay to instead of silk dupioni you buy any polyester shantung like it's fine it's fine um, my entire
4: Anastasia is shantung
3: not yeah yeah my entire Queen of Vidal is shantung and mm-hmm. the other one my one other one is like some stretch poly velvet, oh, awful fabric, but hey, she looks great. <laughs> I still have the dye on my hands from just touching it, but you know, it's, it's, it's okay. There are ways to cut down cost, and one of my biggest things is fabric. First, decide how much money you want to spend, and then know, spend your bigger money on what you're going to see, in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it's pros and cons. Let's hear from you on that if you have something to add. You didn't put your name on that yeah, topic, but I'm going to call on you anyway. <laughs> That's okay. I don't know
1: that I figured out a really great cost-effective way of doing anything, but um, no, I think yeah, cosplay. but I think, right, like it's cost. Yeah, exactly. cosplay, And I think, um, I agree with you, you know, spend the money on stuff that you're going to see. Also stuff that you're going to want to last a long time. So I definitely spend mm-hmm. a lot of money on my boning. You know, I, yeah. I try and go specifically mm-hmm. for spiral steel. I tried that, um, people were saying like for your hoop skirts you know to use the like aquarium tubing one my stuff immediately collapsed i was like "Oh, well, this is gonna work and aquarium with, tubing yeah like, there was like, like a couple put of a
3: fish tanks
1: yeah exactly like that's where i bought it i bought a ah! hundred yards of it for like i don't know ten dollars i was like this is a great idea and then i tried it and then you know how aquarium tubing it's meant to uh, like it curl in like on this. itself and that's exactly what yeah, when, yeah exactly what it did it like went right in so then i had to spend even more money on getting the proper boning
4: so i think i've used pvc the, pipe but i think that's the weirdest well, one i've used
1: pvc i've seen also what's, what that stuff PVC?
4: That,
1: what's that stuff you know like a long time ago there was an advertisement for the like flex hose outside that you yeah. could use that i've seen people do that before like the kind like, that oh.
0: expands when you put water in it
1: no it's like um oh god it's it's supposed to collapse in on itself, and I remember seeing a whole hmm. bunch of them in like the return
4: the things bin. we anyway. do to save money on hooping. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't really work hoops, that well. It's fine.
4: It just PVC yeah. so does work fine. though. Just it, It's heavy. Yeah.
0: That's good to it's know. It's heavy. <laughs> yeah.
4: Like my skirt was 25 pounds.
0: <laughs> oh, I've I used a store, like an Amazon bought hoop skirt. I was like, it's $20. This is great. Um, But I used it under my ugly stepsister, which has a thousand layers on it, and it just smushed down. Like, you yeah. walk and have to kick the inside of your You, you learn the to walk out and out kick
4: move. Yep, the walk <laughs> yeah. and kick. Yeah.
0: The first bell was that, first bell was that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've even had people spend money on, or know people who have spent the little bit less amount of money on the slightly narrower wire for hoops, ah. and that collapses too. Spend, oh yeah. Spend the money on the on the yeah. big, strong wa- metal. If you want your undergarments to last. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're just wearing
3: a ball gown for a group and it's like Dragon Con and it's, I don't know, Thursday night and you're like, yeah, screw it. Buy yourself an Amazon Hits Yeah. 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 I yeah. yeah. still already- use yeah.
4: my that I got five years ago for various <laughs> things. Like-
3: yeah.
1: I always feel like I buy less than I need and then I always have to go buy more so always buy more than you need to of boning I always think like I can get this in seven hoops and I'm like oh no this is stupid I have like 500 yards of the fabric on the outside I'm gonna need 10 you know yeah, so yeah um I'm, it's a cost suck for sure but it's well that's advantage. also
3: a good tip though is buying in
4: bulk I am bulk can. yes especially so for fabric many- there are places you can buy when you need mm-hmm. a few hundred yards Well, you need you know dozens and tens and so much yards of fabric get it in a place where you can get it for a dollar to a yard like also yeah. where's that fabric wholesale direct <laughs>
3: oh. oh yeah yeah yeah,
4: yeah. Um, fwd yeah mm-hmm. i've yet to purchase from there but i've i got i get their coupons also oh, if yes, you coupons! Need, yeah coupons <laughs> if you yeah need, also if you need tons of like cheap satin cheap organza go to wedding supply stores places like oh, tablecloths yeah. factory bb crafts like oh, yeah. i made it i made a ball gown for under a hundred dollars by buying from there it is well,
0: impossible. another thing is um, thrift stores. Thrift stores, because you can find yardage of upholstery fabric, which
3: mm-hmm. I
0: mean, that stuff is strong. That can be Good, of course, under. That can be the foundations for some things. I have made so much out of curtain fabric. I buy my sheets that I use for mock-ups there.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I yeah, got I all love of my. able to use thrift.
3: Thrift. All of great. the velvet
0: for my Carol Burnett costume was from a Goodwill. It cost me five dollars. Nice. Princess all of
2: it. Princess R2 and Rose Quartz are made of the same bolt of fabric I bought at Recreative, which is a reduced reduceries recycle store in Seattle. And I bought the entire bolt for $8. So when you see Princess R2 and Rose Quartz walking around, both of the main fabric for those costumes were under $4. Like, it's it's possible Thank and i know God. that's how, like it's it's amazing i i it's mean thrifting, i don't have any of those
3: stories
2: thrifting, <laughs> no, like, <laughs> yeah. thrifting and reduce reuse recycle if you can find somewhere in your neighborhood that does it um there's a lot of great uh sales and things i know right now recreative is having 50 percent off a dollar a yard and it's pretty cool to, to have that resource so close. But yeah, nice. uh, my, my bell is made out of curtains from Goodwill. I bought six, uh, six gold shantung curtains for $6 each,
0: under well, $40. do not forget, you can dye fabric. So yeah. if you're going to these thrifting places, if, if you're going to wholesale places or places where you can get a lot of yardage, color is important. If you can find something that color matches, great. But it costs $5 for a jug of eye dye at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So you can dye fabric, you can change the color of fabric, you can mm-hmm. be patient you can, with yourself if be, you do. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and be safe about it, it. Be safe. And don't use that pot for cooking afterwards. Yes. No. Oh, God. Oh, no, will <laughs> lose somebody. We lost an, Amanda. Lost we lost Amanda.
4: Lost a man. No! Sorry!
0: That has never
3: happened before. I'm dead serious. That has never happened before. And I was like, what? I yelled, the (laughs) biggest expletive? (laughs) Quick, change your name back.
0: (laughs) I'm so sorry. Gotcha. Okay, so a little bit of a technical issue, but we're back up and running. So thank you very much. Um, Moving on from the cost part of this. I mean, we had a ton of great ways to save. And I'm very glad for that because I would not be able to make ball gowns if I had to buy that much silk ever. No. Um, <laughs> let's talk about actually wearing these things because it is like wearing your own personal parade float and then trying to navigate in a crowd. And we like being that personal parade float because none of us would wear ball gowns if we didn't like being the center of attention. There but, It does present some interesting challenges. So um, Sam, let's start with you. Uh,
4: So I have actually gotten, the the question I get the most when I'm in a ball gown is, oh my gosh, how can you wear that? Is that comfortable? And most of the time the answer is yes. If you make your ball gown correctly, you should be comfortable. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people who have made their courses too long and they can't sit in them or they're, hoop skirts don't collapse so again they can't sit. Um, it's, it's very important to have to figure out movement and bathroom before you go to the con. Figure mm-hmm. out how to go to the bathroom before you go like I, it is possible in a ball gown. It is very possible in a ball gown. Um, yeah I could go into the detail about that but yeah it is you need to plan. It is also helpful when you're when you're wearing, you're wearing Generally, I'm wearing two corsets, at least three layers of skirt. It is very helpful to have a handler, having a friend who will stick around, who is not also in a parade float to help (laughs) you around. Though I will say when you get enough people in parade floats together, they will take care of each other. (laughs) It is definitely interesting to navigate a convention floor in a ball gown. I do not recommend doing dealer's haul on your ball gown day. Choose a ball gown day. Stick outside in the outside areas, you know, pose. People are going to want to, people, if you're in a big ball gown, it's going to be hard to move because people are going to want your picture. Let's, let's, let's be honest about that. If your ball gown's big enough and it's easier to just stay in the outer areas and not try to navigate the sardine, you know, a sardine can that is a dealer's hall. So pick a ball gown day, pick a Saturday. Don't go in the dealer hall that day. Do your shopping on Sunday. There you go. <laughs> well said. And take rests sit Princess Pancake on the floor. Seriously, it's the most glorious thing because people take pictures of you and it's like, I am still aesthetically pleasing,
0: but I don't have to stand. Yeah, that's actually yeah. real true. Mm-hmm. Um, and pros and cons, I know you had some tips for that too.
1: Yeah, I think as with any costume, know yourself, right? Like if you get overheated really easily or you um, get tired really easily, make sure that you make preparations in advance, know when your panels are gonna be or how you're gonna operate in the contest sphere if you're doing that and take care of yourself because you know it's already hard if somebody passes out in the middle of the floor, it's there's more of you when you're in a ball gown and pass out. So don't do that. Um, I think that's always really helpful. I also think too, just being aware of your space, you know, you never want to like leave the dealer hall in your ball gown and suddenly you have like acquired a child in your skirts because you dragged them away by walking. (laughs) You want to make sure that you're, you know, being conscious of people around you because there are wider, right? There's more of you around. And um, as I love that you said your own personal parade float, because it's really true. Like you've just got this big, massive piece around you. Um, I know that I'm really bad about like going to the bathroom and like you know making some of those preparations in advance when I'm creating so I know mm-hmm. myself I schedule my time to where you know what Tamara you're gonna need 30 minutes to make sure you go to the bathroom in your hotel room because like horking this up is gonna be real ugly and not great in the stall so like make those arrangements in advance um,
4: quick advice yeah. for that straddle the toilet backwards lift the hoops yeah. from the fur and front and straddle backwards.
1: Yeah. I just get really gross out in
3: bathrooms. <laughs> so no, like, that's totally understandable yeah. too. Yeah. Like, like bathrooms, a little, honestly, in skirt,
4: like, you have yeah. to have a level of not a germaphobe. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: and It also just feels weird if you're not used to peeing while straddling a toilet. Mm-hmm. It is. It yeah. feels real weird. <laughs> just does. The other thing about that is, um, sorry, this is gonna get gross. Don't pull your underwear down, just pull it to the side. No, it's true. yeah, legit. It's it's, true. Like, just do this, just like if you were a little kid in a swimsuit. Um, this is just so is much it. easier than trying to get your panties back up in one of those things. <laughs> we so just true. get a
1: really a handler who's super so cool with being really intimate with you.
0: <laughs> get a handler who you would have help you go to the bathroom
4: in your in your bridal gown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this yeah. is the test. Yes, I <laughs> had my mother help
0: Choose me before. Choose your bridesmaid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The, the other part of that is, um, parking lot dressing. Who ah, all has parking done that? I mean, oh, oh do yeah, absolutely. parking
4: lot, yep. Absolutely. <laughs> too, too many times. I love how so too many big. of us have. <laughs>
3: I and, think it's
1: a rite of passage, I think, at some point. Yeah, right?
3: like, yeah. You haven't and like, for a some in the parking lot. For some reason, it's, it's, the, it's always the dress that you know that's going to get the most stains, that is, like, the whitest dress mm-hmm. that's going to just. Like I changed his Mary Poppins one time in a garage, and her Jolly Holiday dress and that is yeah. white organza. <laughs> Why did I do that? But I had to, and I did,
1: and I did. No. I'll also say when you're in the convention floor, you if you're walking around and you're not getting judged or whatever, wear comfortable shoes. You don't have yeah. to wear your like princess slippers throughout the entire day. You can oh, just wear on, like your ugly Crocs or whatever. Or like your mockers, sparkly like, flats. Like, yeah, yeah, sparkly are flats. Or your are the the
0: sneakers, sneakers or your Nikes. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and put inserts in all your shoes.
5: Yes. So your shoes are seen, and then you're just go with it.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unless yep, yep. Oh, Socky with their high lows. Mm-hmm. Don't get to hide the feet ever.
0: No. So uh, let's cover, we just have a couple more things to go over, and it's particularly competitions. So ball gowns dominate the sewing portion of competitions. And I know not all competitions are broken into armor and sewing, a lot of them are. But even so, if you're standing up there with a bunch of sewers, you're most likely standing up with a bunch of people in ball gowns. Now, Tamara, I know you have been behind the desk at um, at competitions and also in front of the, on the stage. So why do you think it is that ball gowns are so dominant when it comes to competing?
1: Yeah, I think one, I mean, they're so dramatic, right? Like they look great on stage. The twirl is amazing. Um, Casey, actually, I was watching a lot of your twirl videos and that stuff looks amazing on stage. There's no (laughs) crowd in the world that doesn't love that, right? Like it's awesome. I think the other pieces, you know, there's a level of complexity to ball gowns that you You can really tap into for judging and I think that's really attractive to people. You can do a lot of different types of sewing techniques in one type of dress and then you can add a lot of other stuff on top. I mean most of my ball gowns include some kind of either resin casting or armor making or something on there that's additional and that works really well for ball gowns. You can kind of encompass multiple types of things. Um, But I think one of the the things that people don't think about, you know, what I've seen behind the desk I guess is, is directing shows is, you know, thinking again about how are you going to sit down in this, right? Like you're going to be in green room for a period of time. Most of the shows that I work with, we try to reduce green room time, but sometimes you're there for a couple hours. And so, you know, can you fit in a backed chair? You know, did you make your corset correctly? I think someone said earlier, like, is it too long to where you can't sit down or are you going to have, be able to have access to water or move from one place in the convention floor to the next? Um, Do you have really delicate shoes that aren't going to get you up on the stage um, appropriately, what is that going to look like? Um, Your hoops are
4: too stiff to be squished through the bars of the
1: stairs, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, there's still like the operation standpoint, right? Like the stage is one piece of that, but getting up on the stage and then getting back down from the stage is also really, really important to think about. Um, But I, I definitely think the drama, the opportunity for complexity is what makes ball gowns super attractive. Um, even like when we're talking about historical accuracy or historical costuming, there's a great way to get some additional, just like points of oh interest from the judges of when you really make conscious decisions about what your costume looks like. If you really paid attention to what your silhouette's supposed to look like based on this character and did that, I think that's really exciting to you as a
0: judge. And Sam, you also compete a lot. I know, uh, um, and uh, I think I've only—I don't think I've ever seen you compete in something that wasn't a gown.
4: That. Would be accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I try to think. It's like I, I have, but not at like large. I, I at anime conventions, I have, but for the most part, when it comes to the larger stages, especially the Comic Con stages, it's like ball gowns are. There's so much real estate to put detail and to to have extra stuff. Like just, I think like, people are impressed with the layers, and then it's what you did with them, mm-hmm. and you know the size. So it's. There was, I think there was a time uh, a bit ago where it was the, well, bef- uh, before things were split up into armor and, and sewing, it was a, well, I'm against armor. I'm just gonna bow out now. <laughs> so uh, and then you start seeing ball gowns and that's, and, and needlework started to actually, you know, compete with armor again. And I think that's kind of how how it went. And who, after, a, after you twirl on one stage in a big ball gown, like, oh my gosh, all you want to do is do it again. <laughs> And and Casey, I know you have opinions yeah. about twirling. Big ones. Pass off to the twirl queen.
5: <laughs> I do. I, do. I, I love I love the way they look on stage. Um, again, like I said, um, everything that I make ball gown wise, I think about how does it look right here? In, in a pre-judging or a closed space. And what is it gonna look like up on stage? You know, you don't add thousands and thousands of rhinestones because you think you get bonus points. That's really actually a pretty fast technique when you're doing it with just glue. You do it because you think, how is the light gonna hit me? You do it because you think how, like what kind of dramatic impact is it gonna make? And I think that that's what's really special about ball gowns is you have the, you you basically are making two costumes. You're making the costume that the judges or the people that want to see you look at and that they can touch and that they can see it's stunning and they can see this crazy fine detail work but then you're making the second garment that when it hits a stage it's just an completely different thing mm-hmm. um and i think that's actually why ball gowns are dominating is because with armor people aren't thinking about those small tiny bit parts unless there are people that are but like in the grand scheme of things that's not the first thing they think about Whereas those are the things we just think about anyway, because we're like, we got this cool trim. How can I beat it out? Or what can I do on it? Or like, I learned tamper embroidery. How can I work this into my costume? That's just the way we think.
4: Well, I want to learn this technique. What gown yeah. can I make that has it in there? Yeah. Like, so so I just I rack make tamper.
5: You're basically making two costumes. And that's the way I
0: see it for. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of putting it. I have. I have been that person in pants next to a bunch of ball gowns on stage, and in one time shorts. So it, sometimes, as that person in pants, there's a little bit of like, mm, like they twirled, <laughs> <by> <laughs> <prize>. <laughs> When you,
4: at the I, same when, time, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh,
2: I was gonna say that the the. It's not the one time but the one time I competed at Emerald City Comic Con I was not in a ball gown I was Winifred Sanderson from Hocus Pocus lined up with eight different ball gowns and it was like I got no chance here because I'm not in a hoop and that's a lie also um just because we're in a ball gown doesn't mean you're gonna win Mm -hmm. uh as Abby and I know (laughs) um and
0: yeah Harry Kurs did it for me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, you know, that I, I think that there is something really stunning about a ball gown on stage. I've also loved having a ball gown on stage, too. But I think it's, you know, uh, your, your yardage doesn't Definitely. mean anything uh, unless it comes with that design element that's really important and that workmanship that competitions mm-hmm. are really looking for really
1: glad you said that because I think a lot of times people think oh I have to make a ball gown and that's the only I'm going to win and one that's a really terrible way of thinking about being a competitor but I think you know (laughs) objectively speaking, it is way easier to make a ho- a simple hoop skirt than it is to make a well tailored pair of shorts. So I think, Sweet. you know, thinking about what, sure, you know, you have a lot of real estate, but it's what you do with that real estate and whether or not your finishings and your internal seamwork and all that stuff is really, really clean, then you have a lot more potential to work with. But I mean, you know, I've definitely, I've lost to a ball gown before, I've won with a ball gown, I've won with pants. So it just kind of depends um, on your you know workmanship and things and also what other people bring you know and yeah,
4: exactly. and, and you don't know like when you're watching a competition you can't see what is there you can't yeah. see what the details are like i've ever many times where it's like yeah that's a big ball gown but this has hand sewn details and embroidery and paneling and tailoring and yes military uniform like yeah.
0: <laughs> so um the last topic is care and storage of this these garments are huge you know we got to know how and where to keep them and how to put them away and how to clean them and hannah you're going to tell us how to do that and then once you're done telling us how to do that we'll all fess up and say what we actually do (laughs) instead of what we do we are supposed to do
2: um so i uh I took this on because I, this is like part of my job. I'm a costume assistant. I work in a giant closet. um, And that's kind of what I do. And we, I have learned so much about storage. And uh, there are many things that I will never do that I do at work because I'm maintaining rental, high, high, high quality rental garments, um, you know, for opera. Um, And, uh, but what I can say about, cleaning your garments is is please clean them um, they will last longer uh, I like to recommend uh, I I do like to recommend dry cleaning if that is possible I know that's not always possible if it is possible I think dry cleaning is the cleanest you're gonna get your costumes for in between a convention if you really just need to get the stink out maybe that means a spray bottle with some vodka on your armpits to kind of uh, kill that bacteria that's happening. Always test that. If you dye your fabric, I don't know if it's going to hold. Like, I, you know, so there's there's a lot of consideration to keep in mind when you're cleaning your garments. Um, don't put your corsets in a washing machine, like, ever. Uh, you know? <laughs> and I, that sounds, like, straightforward, but... but like, these, um, like may do it. But, like, don't.
0: like, <laughs> don't. D- 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 You know somebody's done
2: it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like, spot clean it, you know, like, uh, you know, if you, if you gotta, again, vodka spray bottle might be your answer. Um, but, uh, as far as, as, uh, we talked a lot about how, um, ball gowns, you really want to make them in two pieces, and uh, so I like to recommend that make them in two pieces. If it's possible, hang your skirts. If they're not too heavy, Um, when I say hanger skirts, that also means in your construction process, put some hang loops in. A hang loop is just a piece of ribbon, uh, or twill tape or like, like anything, uh, that is a loop that, uh, holds at the strongest point on your waistband that you're going to put on a hanger, right? Hang loop. Great. Um, I like to store my bodices flat I don't like to hang them I like to roll them and put them in a box Uh, but just because I don't like putting stress on shoulders but you can also hang them like that's fine too. Um, I I think hoop skirts store flat Uh, if you can avoid hanging them on a wall they like to warp sometimes Uh, at, at work we remove the hoops that's that's how we deal with that problem. We we use connectors and we remove the hoops and we store the hoop in a box by itself, the steel, and then we hang the skirt. And then when we go back to do the show, we put the hoops in, <laughs> and they're they're all labeled. and we put them in. I understand that that's like probably not what's going to happen. My personal hoops are hanging on a wall out in the hallway. Um, you know, because I don't care. You don't. <laughs> They're not for rent, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's I. I think my biggest thing is is clean your costumes if you can. I like to make most of my ball gowns um, machine washable. I'm gonna be really honest. Like my my, if it's polyester for the most part, unless you've dyed it, you can put a lot of polyester in a washing machine. Um, hang dry if possible. That would be ideal. Uh, just so you're not getting pilling or potential burning or. Um, warping of your fabric. Um, But again, all of this advice, like, take it with a grain of salt. Your gown is different than my gown. You know, like, your construction is different than my construction. Uh, But I, I would say, I think that, like, if you can wash your costume within a week of wearing it, that and then dry it thoroughly and store it, that's ideal for the longevity of this costume that you put all this work into. But... Quick fixes, you know, vodka and water in a spray bottle are really going to get the smell out. Um, I really like those little shout pens for lipstick on the inside of your bodice because you know it's going to (laughs) happen.
3: There's no avoiding it. Um,
2: Yeah, and then, yeah, and for storage, you know, any way that your boning is not going to warp and that your skirts aren't going to warp and get those hang loops in there. It's really going to save you in the long run. You're going to put a lot less stress on your... Your
0: costumes. Right. Okay, now, yeah. how many people actually do that on the <laughs> panel? <laughs> no?
2: Oh. I wash my costumes really religiously.
0: <laughs> Sometimes mine get dunked in a little bit of cold water and woolite, and then that's,
4: fine. that's it. I wash my garb after Ren Fair because you have to. <laughs>
0: I make like the like chemises and bloomers out of cotton, yeah, so yeah, that like can boomers. go just
1: yeah, as I usually do the vodka method, or like I'll vodka. I bring Lysol with me, so I'll like hit my shoes and my costume with that and like let it dry. But yeah. the storage parts, it's kind of just a disaster. Where do I
3: have space today?
4: There, <laughs> I have, that's where I I have totes and some hangers, and then there's there's the oh, I just got back, and that's a pile. Mm -hmm. Yep. And
2: everybody has different storage spaces and storage needs. So you really got to do what works for you. Mm -hmm. I have a metal closet here with a cotton enclosure around it, um, that I store all my stuff hanging in. It's not very big. I'll tell you what. (laughs) So I'm out of ballgown space. Um, and, and yeah, like sometimes it's a tote in your basement because, it, there's water in there and you, you know, you want to protect it. And that's important too. I, I, something that I harp on a lot, um, for storage of costumes is, uh, the fact that plastic degrades over time. So I don't normally recommend big storage totes, uh, for storing th- the fabric long-term because it can ruin your fabric. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can yellow it and make it really brittle. But I also acknowledge that I live in a basement and if water gets in my house, then all my fabric's gone anyway. So, uh, there's also that to consider. It's like, you need to do what's
4: best for you and your space, right? It's good to know the most ideal method, but also do what you can with what you are with what you have available. I work in an attic mm-hmm. when I live with my parents, it's a, you, you, you store where you can. Space bags are your friend. And I have a petticoat cave that they all just sit in a giant pile because there's too many of them.
0: All my petticoats are under my bed um, in a in one of those wrapping paper bins. Um, and then I am very fortunate to have a friend with a basement. <laughs> <laughs> so That just means I have to drive anywhere if I want to wear a ball gown.
4: That's such a good friend.
0: I, yeah. Yeah, she's she's worth keeping around. Um, But we pretty much covered, I think, a good foundation of ball gowns, what wearing them is like, what making them is like. Um, When this airs, um, feel free to comment in the comment section so we can come in and answer. If if anybody does want to know more, happy to help with that. And I like to end all of my panels on um, a little bit of a funny note. So what I want to know from everyone, is what is a dirty secret about your cosplay experience or what you've done in cosplay or what you do in cosplay? And I can take what I dish out, so I will go first. I was con-crunching and I needed to add wefts into a wig and because I had limited time, I did it on my sewing machine.
1: <laughs> okay. That's great. That, that's that's It works. works. Yeah. It works.
0: <laughs> no hand sewing there.
3: That's, that's great what you got to do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So who's, um, we'll just go in order of how I can view the screen. So Casey,
5: uh, I at TwitchCon 2018 had to rent a car in my corset, shorts, shoes, and wig of Saki Zhao. had to pick up our car. (laughs) That was, that was a (laughs) big problem my dirty secret it was real real hard to explain they actually watched the show though and rooted for me and That's great. We had balloons there when we came back the next day but it was, <laughs> it
2: was hard to explain why i was dressed the way i was alex kid
0: can... uh, yeah <laughs> and hannah what about you
2: Oh, God. I'm trying to think of a dirty secret. Oh, when I was on stage for my, uh, at Emerald City Comic Con in 2016, when I was competing and won my category, um, I took off my shoes because they were so uncomfortable. So I was actually wearing my friend's shoes on stage and I made my shoes. Like that was part of the (laughs) costume. It was like, I made these shoes with a little round pointy toe and uh, you're, you know, the little curly Winifred shoes. And uh, so there's a picture of me on stage and I'm not wearing them. (laughs) 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 <laughs>
3: no, <just
1: on. laughs> <Love it. laughs> and Tamara, what about you okay let me preface this by saying do not do this it is extremely unsafe and stupid but i was on a time crunch so for when i was doing ash from final fantasy 12 she has these really cute embroidered stockings and i was running hella late i didn't have a chance to transfer the embroidery from the hoop to my stocking so i cut it out oh god and i used heat and bond on the back and i was like well i can't like you know, go through the whole motions of attaching this to the stockings the regular way. So I put the stockings on and used my heat gun, yes, to heat and bond them to my legs. It did (laughs) cinch the embroidery on there. And it held just long enough for me to get through judging and my stage before it like all fell off. Yeah, so that's my my most sinful cosplay moment of oh my using my heat gun. Not a, you know, iron heat gun. Yeah, which yeah. is meant I to paint off walls. Yes. Uh, I didn't give uh, myself any burns, but it was very uncomfortable. Um, so I don't do that imagine. ever. <laughs> I've uh,
4: I, I used a heat, heat gun on myself before. so Good tip, I won't do that.
1: Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. Never. <laughs> yes.
4: Okay, what about you, Sam? Um, um, I've had you rack my brain because I've got a lot. But uh, I think I think the year I did Maleficent at EC3, that one was um, I I sewed uh, a lot of that skirt together in the hotel room the night before, and it has no waistband. It still has no <laughs> waistband. Like it is zipped up the back. There is no. It is it is tight. But I, of course it went over it. But there is no waistband on that thing, and I got judged by the co by the co-founder of, of Singer, and I just wanted to die. <laughs> Like the vice president of the singer just like and it was a bra I'd made myself too, which was just don't (laughs) it was bad. It was bad. So so yeah, just just no waistband and I I think I almost I I, that whole experience was a I built a lot of the costume in the hotel room and it was a mess. Kitchen sink cosplays. When you want to do every single method that you can think of and want to throw it all in one cosplay. Do not recommend. Do not recommend
0: Okay Amanda, wrap it up. Sure. I I mean I have a lot of just
3: on stage snafus that have happened to me honestly with every costume I have definitely competed in but I go through them quickly. Um, let's see Queen of Medalla Senate gown, Star Wars Celebration, Orlando. Um, I was on stage in the wings. My hand is like I have this big robe on and this robe has a lot of rope trim kind of down there towards where your hands are and I'm sitting there just kind of like wiping the sweat off my hands and I feel a pin and I pull the pin out and I'm like ooh (laughs) it back in there it's still in there (laughs) um let's see uh I half of Anastasia's crown is somewhere in in the Marriott of Dragon Con (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
4: Uh, Con. just Dragon Con, enough (laughs) said
3: and the last one was this past uh, c2e2 i competed with my katana and she has these two fans that like i can like work on stage and really fun and so i'm backstage like practicing my fans and i drop one it breaks and uh there was this uh, small moment in me going panicking and then i look at my friend who's just like okay i can do this i was trained What do I need? I said, gaff tape. And we found, we found a stage hand. He was like, black or what? And I was like, black gaff tape. And so we got it real, real tight on there, like five minutes before I went on stage. And I was just like, I can't believe I broke it. I can't believe I did it.
0: Okay, so thank you. It's, it's time to wrap up here. Thank you everybody for taking the time to do this panel with us. It was really great. I'm so glad I got to spend this time with all of you. Um, So Real quick, just go down the line and remind us your name and how we can find you on social media, and just let us know what that is. Anybody start? (laughs) I'll start. My name is Abby Cat Cosplay. You can find me under that name on Instagram and Facebook. I'm Casey Renee Cosplay. I'm on all the things. Check out
5: my
1: YouTube.
2: I'm Miss Tayo. I'm mostly on Instagram, and that's uh, spelled T-Y-O. That's me.
1: Um, I'm Tamara from Pros and Cons Cosplay. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, Pros and Cons Cosplay.
4: I'm Mama Samu. Um, I've, and you can find that same name everywhere. and uh, Yeah, that spelling. S-A-M-M-U. Nice.
3: And I am Jedi Amanda. You can find that everywhere and on my website JediManda.com. Yo. Yeah, dot com. <laughs>
0: well, thank you very much for coming to Valgana Palooza and hopefully we will see you for the next panel that we do and join us at the SheProp community. We would be happy to have you.
3: Woo! Bye. Bye! Bye!